Welcome to Have Hope, We'll Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. And I don't know if you're feeling this, but I suspect you are. Because everyone I've talked to is feeling this. There's some level of exhaustion, of discontentment, of discouragement, of ready for a change. Maybe you don't resonate with those exact words, but you know the feeling I'm talking about. It's kind of taking over the world right now. Because racial reconciliation is exhausting for both sides. As a white woman, I'm exhausted trying to understand, giving it my best attempt and still slipping up, and realizing that this is the everyday reality for friends whose lives are different than mine. I know they're exhausted living in that reality, and they're sick of trying to explain it to people like me who just can't seem to get it. And then there's the pandemic. The last 18 months has felt like a group project. And those of us who are wearing masks and getting vaccinated are really sick of doing all of the work. I'm ready to buy a concert ticket without 15 follow-up questions and wondering if it's actually going to be a good idea for me to go. Heck, I'm ready to go to church without having to wonder if it's a good idea for me to go. I'm exhausted being in situations where I'm the only one wearing a mask. And then I'm trying to project my voice because the space just wasn't built for masked people. Or then there's the whole job dilemma thing. The shelter-in-place showed us a whole new way of life. And now recruiters can't find people to hire. And those who want jobs can't find the wages that they deserve. I personally have job applications in for multiple jobs right now. Yes, my boss knows. Because I'm ready for a change. We're ready to do things differently. And as I was thinking about this exhaustion, I remembered the time that I made muffins for my coworkers. You know, back when we were allowed to cook for each other. And I had to stop at the store on my way home to get baking soda. And when I got home, I realized that I was also out of oil. And I wasn't going to make yet another dedicated trip to the store for these muffins. But I've got some specialty oils from different companies. So I began to review my options. Grapeseed oil wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Basil was going to add a different flavor to my muffins. And that's when I remembered I have some orange oil. It's one of the more expensive oils that I have, but it's also one of the more unique. And it was exactly what my chocolate chip muffins needed. So I finished the muffins with orange oil, and I wasn't sure if they tasted good or if I just thought they tasted good because I was the one who made them. So the next morning, I set them out on the table for my coworkers, and I said, Jack, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to eat one of these muffins and tell me if they're good or if I need to go hide them away in my bag of shame and take them home. And Jack's always down for a favor, especially if it involves food. He was less than down for the favor that involved my sofa sleeper and three flights of stairs even in exchange for dinner. But Jack shoved a muffin in his mouth, and he paused. And I was like, shove them in my bag of shame and eat them at home? And he shook his head and he's like, no, they're really good. I just wasn't expecting the orange. I really like them, he said, and he shoved another one in his mouth. And all day, everyone commented on how they'd never had orange muffins before. The muffins were delicious. They kept begging me to make more. And while I feel honored, the team really will just beg for any kind of food. Like, we joke that if you want to feed the whole team, you better have a Costco membership. But because I was out of oil, I invented something new, and everyone loved it. 
And as I was processing this with the Lord, I felt like he said, you'll never run out of oil. And in scripture, oil is often synonymous with the Holy Spirit. There are numerous stories of oil not running out. Of course, we've all known the famous story of Hanukkah. But then there are other stories, like the widow in 1 Kings 2. And God's promise that I would never run out of oil means that I will never run out of him in my life. And then he pointed out that I was only out of olive oil. I still had plenty of specialty oil. And it was the specialty oil that everyone loved. Had I used normal olive oil, they would have just been normal chocolate chip muffins. And while I'm sure they would have been delicious, they probably also would not have been the topic of conversation for the entire day. But because I used orange oil, they were unique. And when I feel like I've run out of oil in the form of energy, in the form of wisdom, in the form of strength, that's when I need to pull out the specialty oil. It's known as Holy Spirit. He changes everything in a way that I can't. And when I have nothing to give, that's when God shows up. And I will never run out of oil because Holy Spirit overflows generously in my life and in the lives of others. When I have nothing to give, I cry out to him and remind him that I'm out of oil. And then I ask him to show up because I can't. I can't answer one more text. I can't encourage one more person. I can't cook one more dinner. And yet somehow, it happens. Because I will not run out of oil. And my friend, neither will you. Holy Spirit lives in you. There's no shortage of oil in your life. Not specialty oil. So today, let's talk about what does it look like to pull out that specialty oil, to find something when you've got nothing left to give, when you're discouraged, when you're weary, when you're exhausted. So we're going to start with a story that, honestly, I don't remember what country it happened in. I could look it up in my journal, but it's beside the point. I think it was Nicaragua. We were in children's church, and we were playing Nicaragua? Guatemala? I don't... I'm distracted. We were playing this game, Children's Church. This is going to bother me. I can't figure out what, where that was. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm picturing the church. Oh, 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 it was Peru. It was Peru. It was the church we painted in Peru. We were playing in the room behind it. Okay. All right. Now that we've got that important detail taken care of, we were playing a game. We are playing a game, a children's church, where you throw the ball to somebody and they have to catch it and then respond with the fruit of the spirit and then throw it to somebody else. If it tastes, takes more than like five seconds, you're out. So they threw the ball to me and I caught it, which was the first small miracle of this game. And then I low-key panicked because not only did I need a fruit of the spirit, I needed a fruit of the spirit in Spanish. And as fast as I could, I came up with one. Felicity died. And the entire game went on pause as the local leaders debated amongst themselves if I was in or out. Because Felicidad 
is not a fruit of the Spirit. Alegria is a fruit of the Spirit. Happiness versus joy. And technically, joy is the fruit of the Spirit, but we're going to talk about felicidad, happiness. And if you just cringed a little, it's because, well, happiness gets a bad rep in Christian circles. We like to have little cliches that tell us how happiness is in opposition to holiness, or we've been taught that happiness is wrong and you should pursue joy, and blah, 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 pause. Okay, we're just going to hang out here for a second. If that's you, there's a book called The Happiness Dare by Christian speaker and author Jennifer Dukesley. In it, she talks about reclaiming happiness and the beauty that comes from it and how happiness is not actually bad. But since I'm guessing you haven't read that book since I recommended it five seconds ago, let's use her definition of happiness and all move forward together. Cool? She writes, Happiness is the feeling of contentment that wells up inside of you when you are at peace with who you are and the life you've been given. That's good. That's so good. And yeah, there are reasons that happiness gets a bad reputation in Christian circles. Do what makes you happy is a really toxic thought for a Christian. But the happiness itself is not what's toxic. I would even venture to say that God wants us to be happy. Not at the cost of others. But I think that he delights in our being happy. The same way it's fun to see a small child who's happy. The same way it's fun to share in somebody else's excitement. It's good to be happy. And I heard somebody say that happiness is a team sport. And I stopped for a second. And I know another sports analogy. Sorry, not sorry. I don't play team sports. I'm a tennis player. It's just me and maybe a partner on the courts by ourselves. There are rules about how often and how long a coach can talk to their tennis player on the sidelines. That same coach is usually watching like six other matches. I've played matches where my coach wasn't even on site. It was a multi-site tournament. The coach needed to rotate between different sites. There was no possible way he could see every player and every play. So as one of the captains, I was in charge of my teammates at the site where I was playing. I mean, I probably have my coach's phone number in case anything went sideways. But whatever happened, I was supposed to handle while I was playing my own match. Needless to say, I was not able to coach my teammates in their matches, nor could I expect any coaching in mine. And as often happens in tennis, you have to figure it out on your own. And I'm a tennis player. I've been a tennis player since I learned that I could actually play a sport with a racket. I like to figure things out on my own. I like to do it myself. I like to be a strong, independent woman. I'm pretty good at it. But happiness is not always something I can figure out on my own. Happiness is a team sport. To keep the sports analogy going, I'm watching Ted Lasso. I wasn't going to. There's really nothing about it that interests me. I mean, a sports comedy show? No thanks. I don't like sports. I mean, I like comedy, but usually not that kind of comedy that most people like. And show? I don't remember the last TV show I wanted. I watched. No thank you. 
but my parents are into it. And they said, just watch the first two episodes and you'll be hooked. So my parents, my aunt and uncle, my siblings and I all sat down six feet apart, fully vaccinated, and watched the first episode of Ted Lasso. And then we watched the second episode of Ted Lasso. And then my uncle, who never wants the night to end, suggested we watch another episode. And another one. And I will tell you, eight responsible adults did not watch Ted Lasso all night. Though we did definitely consider it. We could have sat there for hours watching several more episodes. But before I can talk about Ted Lasso any further, I do need to put a disclaimer around this show. Because this is a Christian podcast and there are a lot of F-bombs on Ted Lasso. There are a lot of mature themes on Ted Lasso. There were plenty of scenes that I was uncomfortable watching with my parents, aunt and uncle, and siblings. The morals of the characters at times are questionable. But the reason I'm still watching it and the reason I'm bringing it up right now is because the moral of the show is that kindness wins. And whether or not that's a moral worth you watching the show is a decision you need to make on your own. I'm not necessarily endorsing the show. I'm just telling you something that resonated with me from when I was watching it. And I'm going to try to tell you enough about the show that you'll get my point, even if you've never seen it and are not interested in seeing it. But I'm also going to try to give it without too many spoilers. Can't promise I'm going to be successful in that. But I will tell you the most recent episode I've seen was Beard's Night Out. So I can't give you any spoilers newer than that. So I haven't seen any newer than that. So Ted Lasso, if you've not been watching, is a football coach from Kansas. Excuse me. Yeah, football coach, like American football coach from Kansas, who's hired to coach a soccer team in London. He knows nothing about soccer. And it's actually hilarious because he learns things like as they come up, like you'd think you would read a rule book or something. No, he learns that in soccer you can have a tie. Or that the fields aren't all the same size. Or that there are no playoffs in soccer. It's actually really funny. And Ted is incredibly kind. It's refreshing. But there's this point in season one where someone confesses to attempting some malicious sabotage against Ted's life. Literally his whole life. This wasn't like a half-baked sabotage plan that someone's confessing before it started. This is a malicious plan that has been fully executed and enacted and has had huge negative impact on Ted's life. And when this person confesses to what they've done, Ted simply says, I forgive you. And personally, I felt the weight of the world fall off my shoulders when Ted said that. Partly because I didn't want this kindness always wins guy to swirl into a pit of revenge or depression or anything. We do see later on that Ted is not as healthy as we think he is, but we're not there yet. And partly because I made a comment on Instagram about how all the stories I've been reading lately are really sad or depressing. And I feel like I get enough of that on social media. And so I just wanted some uplifting book recommendations. If you have them, you can send them to me over on Instagram at Katie Axelson. Anyway, back to my point. Ted said, I forgive you. And at the same time, as the weight of the world fell off my shoulders, a knot started in my stomach. Because I wish forgiveness was that easy. I wish I could forgive with one smile, one statement, and move on with my life. I wish it were that easy to forgive. I wish I could easily forgive the friends and family who've hurt me. 
I wish I could easily forgive the people who taught me racist behaviors when I was too young to know any better. I wish I could easily forgive the people who refuse to wear masks and get vaccinated. But instead I have to unlearn racist behaviors. And instead I'm sitting here in my house missing opportunities that I'm supposed to have as a single adult here in my 30s. I wish I could easily forgive the people who've done and said things that hurt me even before 2020. Things that have still scarred my life. I was talking to a friend yesterday and he was trying to encourage me and he said, what's the worst that could happen? And I came up with a very real worst case scenario that has actually happened to me in similar situation. And this particular friend remembers that situation. And he immediately reminded me that this is my current reality. Not that. That was an old wound talking. Not the situation right in front of me. Because I'm out of oil. And I suspect that you are out of oil as well. But since happiness is a team sport, my friend reminded me, and he poured Holy Spirit oil back on me. And whether you want to be or not, because you're listening to my podcast, you are now on my team. So this is what this team is going to do. We're going to pour some oil. We're going to pour some Holy Spirit everywhere we go. We're going to spread kindness. We're going to fight together for happiness. We're going to offer some encouragement. We're going to be a ray of hope in a weary world. We're going to break the cycle of discontent, at least for a few minutes. So that's the invitation I have for you today. What does it look like to spread kindness in your world today? What does it look like to play on team happiness? That didn't come out quite right. What does it look like to be a team player in this happiness game? That didn't come out right either. Whatever. We're going to leave it. Ted Lasso brings his boss biscuits every day. You could take your team some homemade orange chocolate chip muffins. I mean, if that's allowed. That's not allowed. Stop in the candy aisle at Target and get everyone some individually wrapped treats. But what does it look like to encourage someone? To make eye contact with someone? Now, more than ever, we need random acts of kindness. Last fall, a ministry leader in my life asked me to help him create a Facebook community because he had just learned that his cancer wasn't actually in remission. And he was coming to the realization that he probably wasn't going to win this battle. And he hasn't. But he wasn't going to go down without a fight. And he wanted others to join him in encouraging people. He wanted to uplift someone every single day. And he did the entire rest of his life he found someone to encourage every single day not just a compliment he said speak into their heart call out who they are affirm their character and I can't say that I've 
met his goal of doing it every single day. But I've done it often enough that it's become more natural. At least for me. Sometimes you hear it here on the show. Sometimes it's pulling someone aside when they get a promotion and calling out specifically what attributes are going to help them be successful in their new role. Sometimes it's acknowledging the cashier and treating them like they're actually a human being. Would you believe that there's a person on the other side of the plexiglass? It doesn't have to be complicated. It's just a moment of pause and high five, not physically, for team happiness. Because it's a team sport. And let me tell you, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to do, and it's beautiful to receive. And like the Apostle Paul says in the end of Galatians, that we're not going to grow weary by doing good. He challenges us not to grow weary by doing good. I'm offering you the same challenge. In a world where the discouragement, the complaining are so easy to do, I want to invite you on to team happiness. I want to stand with you because let's do it together. Let's pour oil onto one another. Let's spread joy everywhere we go. As always, big thanks for listening. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a rating, leave a review. Let's connect over on Instagram. I'm at Katie Axelson. And of course, there are always more resources available at katieaxelson.com. My friend, know that you are loved. Know that you are appreciated. Know that you are seen. Know that I am so glad to have you here on Team Happiness. You have what it takes. Let's do this together. Be blessed. We'll see you in two weeks.